0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series today. Uh, It's called Staying Right Side Up in an upside down world. Staying right side up in an upside down world. And um, I guess the subtitle of today's message would be this. It would be uh, the fireproof life. Fireproof life, Second Timothy chapter three, we'll start there. We're really gonna spend most of our time in Daniel chapter three. So uh, Old Testament, Daniel chapter three. New Testament, Second Timothy chapter three. If you had to just choose one that you're going to go to in your copy of God's word, go to Daniel 3. We'll spend most of our time there. Let me start though with 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. This is what Paul says as he writes to Timothy. He said, "You should know this Timothy that in the last days there will be difficult times." Let me hit pause right there and say, how many knows we're probably living in those last days right now? Anybody around here been alive long enough to see that we're living in some crazy times? Like you could say we're, it's a little cray-cray out there, if you know what I'm saying. Like, and some people, maybe they're younger, and they go, no, isn't this how it's supposed to be? And some of us have been alive for a minute, and are like, no, it's not supposed to be like this. like, It's just getting crazy. There's just this constant, this constant pull to be just upside down in our thinking, upside down in our reasoning, upside down in our priorities. And it was predicted here. There will be terrible times, difficult times in the last days. And then it, uh, Paul starts to describe it. Uh, man, he's writing this 2,000 years ago. Might have written it, might as well have written it two days ago. He says, "For people will uh, will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. They'll be scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful." They will consider nothing sacred. Um, They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than loving God. This one's a problem here in verse 5. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. That means some of this craziness Some of this upside-downness is going to weave its way into the church because it says they're going to act religious, but they're going to reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Then we skip to verse 13. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful. Can I say it this way? You must remain right side up. Even if the whole world turns upside down, you've got to remain right side up. You must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true for you. Know who, uh, that you can trust those who taught you. You know they're true. You know this word of God, it's the truth, not just for us because we're Christians, it's the truth for everybody on the planet. And so um, we'll go Daniel 3 in just a moment, but when I think about just how we ended up this way, how we got so upside down, how so many people are so confused about so many issues and so many things, I start thinking back to, back to my childhood, and I start thinking maybe, maybe these are some of the reasons why um, the world is kind of a little bit crazy, a little bit upside down at this point. Uh, I was remembering back to, like, the playgrounds whenever I was growing up. And we had, like, because now everything's safe. Everything's, like, so careful. Back then, safety, I don't even, I don't even remember that being, like, a word in the, in the v- vernacular. I don't remember anybody talking about being careful. I don't remember anybody putting any kind of, practice, like, protective gear on when I would go out and do things. We would go out on stuff like this. And can you imagine... The amount of like lead poisoning and rust and asbestos and you name it. Just, I mean, just going near it. Like, but that was like just common. That was just everywhere. That's what you got on. Not to mention what I'm talking about before it even started spinning, it was dangerous. And then when the big kids started pushing it and the kids are like flying off and nobody, nobody thought about nothing back then. Um, and then uh, what about just a simple slide, right? Like how, what could go wrong? The designer's thinking, what could go wrong? I'll tell you what can go wrong, the sun, okay? It's a metal slide. That thing's gonna heat up to the temperature of your griddle where you cook your eggs. Look at it, you climb the stairs. By the time you get to the top, you sit down. You're gonna be on that slide for a while. It's gonna take you 30 seconds to get down. All kinds of degrees of burn happening on those legs. This is what we just, it was just normal. And then we had these like, uh, these monkey bars, they called them, just, I mean, just a configuration to where if you do fall, you're gonna hit some stuff on the way down. <laughs> like this was, but, but my elementary school didn't have this fancy of a system. This is what my elementary school had. Just three simple bars. I don't know if I was just a little bit ghetto or what it was, I don't know what happened to my elementary, but this is exactly what, was, what mine was like. You see here, that they started with a gravel base, and then somebody thought, maybe we should soften that, and so they put mulch in. <laughs> At my elementary school, they hadn't got to the mulch area yet, so it was still a gravel base, and I climbed up on that one recess time, and there's not a whole, once you climb up, it's like there's not a whole lot to do. You can either swing with your hands, or you can be cool, flip yourself upside down, and hang over with your legs. That's what the cool kids did, of which I was one, all right? so. Uh, So I tried that and so I was hanging upside down, hanging over my knees, I was kind of swinging back and forth. I was just feeling myself. Like I was cool and I was showing off and some of y'all predicted the end of this story, but somehow my legs got a little too straight, and I went straight down on the gravel, like where the, somebody thought, let's make, make it gravel. That'll be a good place for kids to land on their head. I landed straight on the top of my head, got gravel up in the open wound. Some of y'all like, it's all starting to make sense now. <laughs> this guy's got gravel in his head. Now we get it, all right. Uh, so I, I had to go uh, to the nurse, and I was, I was a mess, and they, they, I think they got me all fixed. But that was the day I decided, that was the day I knew that the upside-down life was not the life for me. And I feel like somebody needs to kind of make that decision and that declaration today that the upside-down life is not for you. This world is constantly on the pull to turn us upside down it's a little bit secular as you look through history. There are different seasons and civilizations and societies that would really, really go upside down, really go off kilter. And we read in Daniel chapter three about one such society and boy, they made a vast swing uh, to being upside down and there were some, uh, some godly young men that had to decide what they were gonna do in the midst of this upside down world. Let's go to Daniel 3, and we'll start with verse number 1. And it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Imagine that 90 feet tall, about an 8 or 9 story building. Imagine how tall that is. This is how tall he makes this statue. And he sets it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So then all of these officials came and they stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted. It's getting ready to get good up in here. It says, people of all races and nations and languages, trying to include everybody. We'll explain kind of more to that in a moment but they're including everybody, trying to get a majority, Uh, all the races, all the nations, all the languages. Listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, basically any music you hear, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. When you hear the music, bow down with your body and worship with your heart this statue that the king has, cre- has had mi- been uh, created. Verse six, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, oh, it says all the people, whatever their race, nation, or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here we go, yet another society where they've gone completely upside down, and uh, as this is explained in the book of Daniel, it says, oh, everybody was doing it. All the races, all the languages, all the people, everybody was bound down. Church, I got to start with this right here. You cannot let the majority set your morality. I got to say it one more time. You can never let the majority set your personal morality. It will not work because if that's the guide, if that's what we're going to use as our gauge, we are in trouble because here we see in this society, I mean, they go through all this trouble saying all the language, all the races, all the people, and when the music played, they all bowed down. And if we're not careful, we start to get in this mindset of thinking, well, I mean, if, if the majority are for this, then maybe I should be for it too. If the majority believe this way, maybe I should believe this way. Because back in the old day, people used to think this way. But we have evolved. Uh, we have progressed. Now we are smarter than we used to be. We used to interpret Scripture for 2,000 years one way. But now for the last 20 years, we've been interpreting those same Scriptures a different way. So maybe we should look at it with a, with a fresh look. You cannot let the majority set your morality it'll get you in all kinds of trouble. You're going to have something outside of that to stay right side up in an upside down world. And that's what we're called to do is to stay right side up. So how are we supposed to do that? I think we can learn a lot from these three Hebrew young men, these three godly young men, as they are in the midst of that society where the music's playing and everybody's bowing. And how do they stay right side up? First of all, we would stay right side up by by being able to recognize the peril, to recognize perilous <clears throat> times. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Know this in the last days, perilous times will come. And so let's look at how they recognized the peril, the peril that, they were, that they was going through in that, in that place. It says some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews, told on them, just tattled on them. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, you issued the decree, everybody's supposed to bow when they hear the sound of the music. That decree also states that anyone who doesn't will be thrown into the blazing furnace. Verse 12, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. King, they, take, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue you have set up. And so now... I like that these young men decide that, okay, this world is going crazy. We're not going to be a part of it. Now, you can read this story, especially maybe in our day and age. Some might read this story and go, well, you know what? They could have saved themselves a whole lot of trouble if they had just kind of gone with the flow. I mean, they could have bowed their body, but in their heart, they still could have been worshiping God, Jehovah. I mean, they could have bowed their heart, but under their breath, they could have been like, Lord, you know that I just, I'm worshiping you right now. They think I'm worshiping the world, but you know. They could have done that. So wouldn't that have been an easier route? Wouldn't that have been an easier road to travel? Here's the problem. Here's why I believe that they did not do that. Because they saw this as more than just some physical thing. They saw behind the physical into the spiritual component that was going on. This is something that we need to learn how to do. We need to start to recognize the perilous times that we live in, recognize the peril and understand what was going on. See, Babylon was more than just a city, it was more than just a a province, it was more than just a political thing. Uh, Babylon really was a spirit, there was a system uh, of, that was Babylon, and it really represented rebellion against God. It goes all the way back to, to Genesis, but it, it represents um, rebellion against God, substituting things in, in the place of God. And so these three young men understand that, well, physically, yes, I could do this, but there's a spiritual component uh, that, that, that's going on right now. And... I think you might have heard me say this before. Listen, I don't think that, the, that there's a spiritual component to everything. I don't think that everything that happens in your life is a result of the enemy or the devil, because sometimes we're just doing life. But for us to think that none of it has a spiritual component, we are fooling ourselves. Listen, at a time that we live in now, one of the things that you need to be praying for all the time, you need to be praying for discernment. Being able to discern, God, what's the spiritual things, what's the spiritual forces in the heavenlies that are at work here? Let me see that. Let me see behind what I see physically into the spiritual. And I think if, if I, I'm probably right about this, that maybe a lot of us don't have discernment on our prayer list. We're putting like, well, you know, pray for so-and-so, she's sick, and pray that, uh, you know, we, we, all of our needs are met and that we are able to, to pay for this, and we're praying, God, help me to, uh, to, you know, get this and help me to see this happen, and, Lord, pray for my mom. Like, we're praying for all these things. I'll bet for a lot of us, discernment's not on the prayer list. Faith, I'm going to ask you, put discernment on the prayer list because the time and the age we live in, you've got to have discernment. You've got to learn to recognize What's going on around us and what you link up with matters. What you, what you participate in matters because there's a spiritual component to it. So like even you go, well, it's just a little white lie. No, what you link up with matters. And when well, my boss wants me to, 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 to falsify this or, or make this claim so that I can get more sales. Listen, at some point you got to stand up for something and say, that's not who I am. I know that's who the world is, but that's not who I am. Be beware of what you what you worship. I mean, the entire the, our 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 nation, our our, our people. Boy, our, our nation just loves to worship people and worship the you know the production value of things. And and if we're not careful, we can get caught right up into that. I mean, even the fact that this was a, a musical moment, and boy, we see our culture just worshiping music and musicians. And when we come in here today, we're not worshiping music. No, we're worshiping the God who created uh, the music. Like That's the only one that will be worthy of your worship. Recognize the peril, the perilous times. Recognize that there's a spiritual component to what's going on behind the scenes. I think if we're going to stay right side up, we also have to plan for persecution. All right, not an overwhelming number of amens on that. I was shocked. I'm sure at the other campuses, they just to me like crazy when I said, plan for persecution. Red was like, amen, preach that. (laughs) But just so the other campuses know, it's a little quiet up in here when I said that. (laughs) Now, of course. But let's see what happens here. When these boys make their stand, when these young men realize the peril, realize the spiritual component, they decide, I'm not going to be a part of this. Let's see what happens. Verse 13, furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? It's like the king's feelings were hurt. He's like, I put you guys in places of authority. I put you guys in in a position, and now you're going to do me this way? Is it true? Uh, He says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, he lists all the instruments, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. I'll going to pause right here. I like the fact that the king's given him a second chance to compromise. Isn't that just like the enemy? Oh, I mean, you make a stand for God yesterday. The enemy's going to come right back today and say, I know you stood strong yesterday. But if you'll bow today, I'll make it worth your while. And you may stay strong today because it's Sunday. Nobody bows on Sunday to the world. But then Monday comes. And some of you are like, I stood yesterday. And the enemy's going to come back and say, I know you stood yesterday, but I'll give you one more chance. To, the enemy's always waiting to give you one more chance to come into a world system and turn your back on God. This is what the king does. He says, If you'll worship, it'll be very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And he goes. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Just put a little mental note on that one. The king gets that that question answered. All right. Spoiler alert. He gets the answer to that question. What God will be able to rescue you? Uh, So then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to him, and they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend you in, in in this in this. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter, for if we are thrown into the blazing furnace. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I like that they're still being uh, honorable to the king, calling him your majesty. Because sometimes we Christians think that when we're standing against a system that goes against us, that we have the right to be mean spirited about it, be hateful about it, and that's nowhere, you will find nowhere in Christ's teachings where that's the case. Even if you stand against something, you can do so with respect and love. Okay. So make sure we're all on the same page. Your Majesty's, he's gonna deliver us from your Majesty's hand, but even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And then the king was furious. Uh, His attitude changed toward them. And he ordered that the furnace would be heated up seven times hotter than usual, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their clothes, their turbans, they were bound and they were thrown into the blazing furnace the king's, at the king's command. It was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up these boys and threw them into the fire. And these three men, firmly tied, Fell into the fiery furnace. Man, I mean, here they were standing up for God and then they got persecuted for it. They got physically uh, 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 assaulted for this. They, to, to, the word persecution basically means to pursue, to put fight to, pursue, to put hands to. This is what happens when they're doing the right thing and they, they, got, they got persecuted. Jesus talked about this as well. He talked about being persecuted in Matthew chapter 5. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil about you, against you, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Now, when we talk about persecution, it's important that we understand That I think our trials that we go through in life kind of come from three different sources. And we've got to kind of know which is which. I think sometimes we go through trials in our life because of our own poor decisions. All right? So that's not what Jesus is talking about. He didn't say, and blessed are those who are persecuted because they're knuckleheads. All right? Jesus did not say that. And some of us, we walk through stuff and we go, man, I don't know why I'm going through this. And some of your friends want to say, yes, you do know why. You know why you're going through this. You know why you're in debt. It's because you maxed out your credit cards and you spent more money than you were making. You know why you're going through this. Some of your friends want to say, you know why you're going through this. Why you feel the way you feel? Because you've had that, that, that affair going on, that extramarital affair going on for a year. You know why you're feeling like this. But some of us want to claim some other reason why I'm walking through this trial. Sometimes we go through trials because we make mistakes. There are consequences to sin. God forgives us of the sin but never promises to remove the consequence of the sin. Yeah. So that's real. we got to understand that. That we go through trials sometimes because of the decisions we make. Sometimes we go through trials just because of the laws of nature. In other words, just because life is happening. Like we just, stuff happens. Like, there are things that happen to people and there are accidents because we're in an imperfect world and there are, there are sometimes uh, n- natural disasters that happen and a natural disaster's coming through. You know, you see footage of some tsunami or something, it's, maybe that water's rising and flooding homes, it's flooding Christians' homes and it's flooding non-Christians' homes. Yeah. And I mean, we don't understand everything, but but sometimes we, we're going through stuff like that just simply because uh, because we're human, because we're going through because we're going through, we're, do, we're doing life. Like Easter weekend, my my air conditioning broke on Easter weekend. Had to replace the whole thing, thousands of dollars. All right, is it because I'm not tithing? No, I'm tithing. All right, is it because I didn't pray over that? No, I prayed over that. Like it's decades. All right, that thing, God stressed that thing out. All right, we we were like. But but machinery breaks, right? Sometimes our cars break down. So it's not always the spiritual component. So we go through trials sometimes because of our mistakes, because of the laws of nature. But sometimes we go through trials and and persecution because of righteousness, because we're Christians, because we stand strong. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. And he says this will happen. Church, let me tell you, if you are wholly dedicated to Jesus, you will face some resistance as a result of that, all right? That's going to happen because there is a growing secularism that's pushing faith out of the public place into the private. And so anytime your faith then moves back into the public place, secular society is pushing it out. Anytime it moves back in, you'll be penalized for it. Now, it might be just a comment, or it might be something hateful, or it might be something that happens, but this is a reality for us right now. That, 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 that this persecution will come. Let me give you a, a couple examples of, of, I mean, it's happening all the time, and there's probably 100 different examples. Let me just give you a couple of them. If you have a historic position on sexual ethics, a, a historic biblical position on sexual ethics of, of what, how the Bible has been interpreted again for 2,000 years, if you have that position, you're, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get penalized for that. I'll give you another one. If you, if you understand the ex- exclusivity of Jesus and say, well, no, Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And somebody's going to try to get you to bow and say, yeah, but I mean, don't all roads lead to God and there's different pathways to God. And Boy, that sounds so cute. And people, some, uh, you know, misinformed Christians go, well, I mean, I mean, I guess so. Maybe that would be the case. But if you think that, I just got news for you. Jesus disagrees with you. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. But that viewpoint's not going to get you a lot of pats on the back in this society. This is just two of the ways that the persecution is coming. And I know we want to talk about, like, well, can't God just keep me out of that and deliver me from that? I like what Oswald Chambers said about persecution and, and deliverance. He said, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. He said, faith means whether I'm visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. And he says, there are some things that are only learned in the fiery furnace. There are some things I'm only going to learn if I walk through some persecution. Boy, the, the strongest church throughout history has been the persecuted church. Every society, every place, the, the strongest church is usually the persecuted church because it forces you to, to kind of stand strong in your beliefs. Do you have to know this? The difference between a lump of coal and a diamond is some heat and some pressure. I mean, it just takes heat and pressure, not to make a good diamond, to make any diamond. So when you're walking through a little bit of heat and pressure, you can either get mad at God or you can say, God, I thank you because you're getting ready to make something up in me. You're getting ready to make me into something. You see fit to let me walk through this moment of fire and flame and heat and pressure. You see fit to see me walk through that because of what you're making me to be. Yeah. Yeah. Plan for the persecution. I mean, Jesus warns us. Everybody warns us. Because when you plan for it, it won't catch you off guard. It's like when you get a shot, you know, and the doctor's there getting get that shot, and they put the stuff on, they say, now you're going to feel a little pinch. And then when that needle goes in, you're like, that pinch felt an awful lot like pain. That's very similar to pain, that pinch you talked about. But at least at least you're prepared for it. And so... Plan for persecution. I got to hurry. But you also got to learn to watch for preservation. Let's look what happened as these young men are going through this persecution. King Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet in amazement and asks his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into that fire? They said, Well, certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Well, look because he could see some, like, lower level. He could see into that furnace. He said, look, I see four men walking around in that fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. So even if I do have to walk through the persecution, I know this, Jesus is going to go through it with me, and that is enough. Church, let me tell you, I don't care what kind of, I don't care what kind of food shortages happen. I don't care what kind of prices gouge and what kind of prices go up. Listen, Jesus is going to go through it with you. You've got to understand that God is going to be your preservation. No matter what kind of political unrest there starts to be in the world, no matter what kind of world leaders doing crazy things, you've got to know that Jesus Christ is going to be with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you, and that should change the way you live should change your, your, your mentality. That's what Paul said in Philippians 4. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and I know how to live with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or an empty stomach, plenty or little. And he said this, for, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we love verse 13. We quote verse 13 all the time, I can do all things. But did we realize it was in the context of saying, sometimes I have good times, sometimes I have bad times. Sometimes I'm in the furnace, sometimes I'm I'm, I'm doing okay. But either way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me say it this way. If the fire of your faith is brighter than the fire of the furnace, you're going to be fine. You just got to know that God's going to preserve you through this. Everybody talks about that, that fourth man in the fire and all that, Je- that was a, a personification of Jesus in the Old Testament probably. So everybody talks about that fourth man in the fire. Can I take a second and talk about man two and man three in the fire too? Because I, I do not want to ignore the probable fact that these other guys going through it, they, they were gleaning some strength from one another. Yeah. That as they had to face the king, to look at each other like, are you gonna bow? I'm not bow. are you gonna bow? I'm not, all right, let's do this. And so now the three of them go to that king, say, now we ain't gotta defend you and we're not gonna defend ourselves. They're gleaning strength from one another. Can I tell you this? That sometimes God's preservation comes from heaven, sometimes God's preservation comes in human form. I want you to look around right now. All of our campuses, just look around for a second. Just look around. Know this, if you go through a fire, Jesus is gonna go through with you, but you know what? So are your brothers and sisters right here. We're gonna be in this together. And that's part, that's part of God's preservation. Yes, it is. We got one another's, one another's back. That's why, that's why moments like this are so important. That's why I just encourage you, don't miss, don't miss this weekly moment where we can come together, be sharpened, be strengthened, be encouraged by one another. Oh, there's something to that. It's part of God's provision in your life. And the completeness of his of his protection in this moment. They get out of that fire, they don't even smell like fire. Yeah. I mean, no storm can compete with the completeness of God's preservation of your life. And let me end with this I'm out of time. This service gets out here in a few minutes, most weeks. Amen. It's uh, okay if we go till maybe this afternoon sometime. Is that good? We're good? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just testing you. We're not going to do it today, but someday I may take you up on that. All right. Uh, last thing to stay right set up in this crazy upside down world is we, we get to walk in promotion. This is the good news. This is where it gets fun in this story. And it's a part of the story that sometimes just gets missed. Like the Sunday school version, I don't remember this part, ever, this verse ever being read. It's the last verse of chapter 3. Look what the last verse of chapter 3 says. So they get out of the fire. I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar is praising the God of heaven. Everybody needs to serve this God. And look at verse 30. It says, then the king promoted them. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the king was so mad at them a few minutes ago? I mean, he was furious. His attitude had changed toward them. How y'all guys going to do me like this? And now he's promoting them. They were already leaders. He's like, I'm going to raise you a rank. I'm going to give you even more uh, people to oversee. I'm going to put you in a higher place of authority. Promoted them. Listen, God is a God of promotion. And, and sometimes... Uh, that promotion is, is eternal. Like, Let's say this, like, because the story doesn't always end this way. Some people go into the fire and they just find themselves in heaven. We win either way, all right? There is an eternal promotion that is waiting for us. If we'll stand firm, if we'll stay right side up, we know that we're going to end up in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says it this way. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Heaven is gonna be so much better than whatever kind of pain we go through here on this earth. So there is an eternal promotion waiting, we know that. But if a God who can promote me eternally, then I know that the little promotions here on this planet are nothing for him. So I'm going to go ahead and preach this for a second. If God can promote you eternally, then God can promote you with that new raise when you stay right side up. God can promote you with a new position. God can promote you with the new job or the, or the bonus you've been praying for or the physical healing you've been praying for or the new house that you need or the family reconciled. God can promote that stuff easy if he can promote me eternally into heaven. And so if I'll stand strong, promotion's waiting. That's why you gotta do this. That's why you can't let this world beat you down. That's why you can't let this world be flipping you upside down. And some of you are weary I had the picture of like being at the beach and you're in the water and the water's just constantly trying to pull you away from your little towel and you're trying to stay in front of the towel but it just keeps pulling you down the shore. You're like constantly having to swim against it and walk against it, wearing you out. That's where I feel like some of you are at right now with this world, just constantly trying to flip you upside down. And some of you are being honest. You'd say, I'm just weary. I'm exhausted. I'm weak. My faith is weak. I'm saying you gotta get right side up. There's promotions coming. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.